looking to throw. Down the sideline, Hester caught it! 10, 5, touchdown! Touchdown, Jackson State! He eludes traffic, he'll drive it down and jam it in! Oh my! Jamal Gregory, highlight real time! Sports Center top 10 time! This is Behind the Beat, the official podcast of Jacksonville State Athletics. Now, here's your host, Tyler Brown. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Behind the Beak, the brand-new podcast from Jacksonville State Athletics. This is episode one of the series and is the department's first foray into the podcast world, so we hope you enjoy the series and come back each week to hear a brand-new episode. You can currently find Behind the Beak online by visiting jsugamecocksports.com slash podcast or by searching Behind the Beak on your Spotify app. Soon we'll be available for streaming on the Apple Podcast app. Our guest for this week's episode is JSU Athletics Director Greg Seitz. We discuss his busy schedule, updates to the beat, including the installation of brand new video boards, and talk about just how much has changed at JSU since his arrival as a sports information assistant in 1993. So he will join us later in the pod, but first we have some news to get to. The Jacksonville State soccer and volleyball teams were in action this weekend. Soccer hit the field first and recorded back-to-back wins to open the season. Gamecocks routed Alcorn State 7-0 on the road Friday, August 23rd. Emma Meadows and Cynthia Bogosi each netted two goals in the win over the Braves. JSU then returned home Sunday, August 25th to claim a 2-0 victory over Florida International. Cheyenne Carden and Safan Dean each tallied a goal in the win over FIU. On the volleyball court, Todd Garvey's 2019 squad picked up a 3-1 exhibition win over Kennesaw State. It took extra points in the second for the Owls to score a set win, but the Gamecocks won the first, third, and fourth sets by scores of 25-21, 25-18, and 25-20 to earn the preseason win. Offensively, Kaylee Milton and Sadie Anderson each scored 15 kills, while Kennedy Powell blocked four attacks and libero Danny Steele collected 21 digs. We also have a few upcoming events to tell you about. Football opens its drive for a sixth consecutive OVC Championship Thursday, August 29th at Southeastern Louisiana. Kickoff is set for 7 p.m. And if you can't be in Hammond, Louisiana with us, you can catch the game live on ESPN+. Soccer is at home again Friday, August 30th at 7 p.m. against Lipscomb before hitting the road Sunday, September 1st to travel to North Alabama. Volleyball hosts the Jack State Invitational Friday, August 30th and Saturday, August 31st. If you like volleyball, you can come over to Pete Matthews Coliseum and check out six great matches. JSU, Troy, Southeastern Louisiana, and East Tennessee are all competing in the tournament. Action begins Friday at 10.30 a.m. with Troy and Sela squaring off. Friday, JSU takes on ETSU at 12.30 p.m. and Troy later that night at 7 p.m. The tournament wraps up Saturday with JSU and Sela at 1.30, and all Jacksonville State games will broadcast live on ESPN+. And finally... Both men's and women's cross-country teams are running in the JSU Struts season opener at Chocolaca Park in Oxford on Friday. Both teams are scheduled to hit the trail at 6 p.m. That's all the news we have for you this week, and now it's time to get to our interview. Greg Seitz has been a Gamecock for 26 years and is serving his fourth year as athletic director. And during his tenure, JSU has witnessed unprecedented success both in the classroom and in competition. Within just the past year, JSU scored a record 115 points to finish second in the OVC Commissioner's race, and a total of 131 student-athletes were named to the Commissioner's Honor Roll for this past year. So without further ado, 
Here's our first interview of the series. So joined today by a man who wears a lot of hats. The main hat he wears is he's the athletic director for Jacksonville State. Greg Sice is joining us today. Greg, thank you for coming on and being our first guest on the podcast. Thank you, Tyler. I'm uh, certainly excited about what we've created here with this podcast. I know that our fans will, I think, will certainly enjoy these. And so, yeah, and I appreciate you guys taking the taking the lead on this and let's putting this out so anything that we can do to get our name and brand out there and i know that our fans are we have a very passionate fan base and i know they'll certainly enjoy this definitely uh, passionate and uh, we're excited about doing it hopefully the fans will enjoy it so first off here we are in august seems like the summer blew by quickly we were in oxford just what well, felt like yesterday for the baseball regional and now we're getting ready to start up football yeah it's exciting you know we've uh, in our what second day of classes on campus and just when you come back in august and you hear the marching southerners on campus you see the football players back then our soccer team reported and then our volleyball team reported you know it gets uh, jacksonville's a little sleepy town in the summer and then once we get all of our students back it's uh, it's a lot of fun i know that uh, we're all excited just to be back and get started for the fall and greg you came here uh, 1992 right it was your first year Actually, 1993, I started, started June the 1st of 1993 and was an assistant sports information director, came in, and uh, yeah, and it's, it's just a great place. I love it. Jacksonville's home to me now, and uh, I love the Gamecocks, love the entire university, and just so excited, Tyler, just the things that we've been able to do, not over the last five years or 10 years, but, you know, I was a part of the entire transition. So it, it's so funny. My Last year, I'm a North Alabama graduate. So in 1992, UNA always hosted the Division II football national championship game. So my entire years at North Alabama, Jacksonville State played in the championship game three out of four of those years that we hosted it. And so the last time in 1992 when Jacksonville State won the national championship game that summer and that spring I get hired at Jacksonville State come here to work and then North Alabama won three football championships in a row so <laughs> I missed out on the football national championships but I wouldn't trade my time here at Jacksonville State for anything. So you're a UNA grad did you receive the same um the same treatment that I did being a UTC grad when I first got here? It is. You know, it could have been worse. You know, Josh Underwood's a Troy graduate. So certainly the the UNA fans look at Jacksonville State like the Jacksonville State fans look at the Troy fan and Troy fan base. So um, certainly the Jacksonville State fans, North Alabama is a rivalry. It's not the Troy rivalry. But to the UNA fans, Jacksonville State is the Troy rivalry. So, oh, yeah, so I was, uh, you know, hesitant when I come in and uh, and everything. But kind of when I started, Tyler, we, you know, we, we didn't play North Alabama in any sports then. So kind of that 92, 93 athletic year was the last time, you know, the Jacksonville State and UNA played because they were both in the same conference. Jacksonville State began that transition basically August the 1st of 1993, and, you know, we let we were out of the Gulf South Conference, competed as an independent for two years before becoming full-fledged in 1995. So, but yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about now with the, with the Chattanooga connection. <laughs> you mentioned Josh Underwood. He's the uh, associate AD for uh, Athletic Communications. And Greg, that's a position that you once had. And then my position as the assistant sports information director, that's the job that you started out with. Talk about your transition and your growth through Jacksonville State since 1993, going from Sports Info, which is really kind of a path that not many athletic directors take in being an athletic director. You served as the interim two or three times before the interim was removed just a few years ago and you became the athletic director. 
I did. So I started June the 1st of 1993 and worked for Mike Galloway. We, we call him Scoop. He was a, a longtime uh, sports information director um, back in the 70s and 80s. Uh, you know, colleges were set up from a staffing standpoint. So Rudy Abbott was our longtime sports information director at uh, Jacksonville State. He was the head baseball coach. Then in the early 80s, he gave up the sports information side, and they hired Mike Galloway, who was a great baseball player for the Gamecocks in the early 70s and, uh, you know, and had a knack for doing the media relations side. And so Scoop came in, and uh, and so I worked for Scoop. He was fortunate enough to hire me in April of 93. I got out of UNA in May and started here June the 1st. Uh, worked as assistant SID up until 1999 when Scoop retired. He went to work for the Alabama High School Athletic Association. Uh, Joe Davidson was our athletic director at that time, and he had enough confidence in me and promoted me on up to the sports information director. And so from 1999 all the way until I uh, became the athletic director uh, in 2016, uh, you know, I served as the uh, sports information director. And so that, that was kind of the role that I wanted to do, Tyler, as I came up and um, you know, I've been very fortunate, and I'm sure we'll talk about it a little more, to make some connections and be able to work some NCA events and, and things through the media relations side. And actually, uh, you know, I'm still probably an SID at heart. I uh, still love being involved on the media relations side. And, uh, you know, I'm a, kind of a hands-on athletic director from that standpoint. It's, uh, yeah, but it's, it's, been, a, it's, it's been great. Uh, it, I've enjoyed every second of it. You've been here since 93, and you mentioned just briefly – the changes over the not the last five last 10 years but you were here for the transition from d2 to d1 from gulf south conference ovc everything in between how much has jacksonville state athletics changed since you got here in 93 yeah it's really changed so much tyler just just uh obviously today when you step on our campus and the thing that you will notice the most is the facilities right so Every one of our facilities has, has been transformed into just, you know, I'm going to brag a little. I, I think every one of our facilities is the best in the Ohio Valley Conference. Now, the Coliseum's not the biggest in the OVC, but from a game day atmosphere, uh, you know, people, we know we'll talk to Belmont and, and Murray State. I, w- I would put the Pete up above both of those, especially when we have a great crowd in here. I know that uh, you, you work basketball for us, but the atmosphere that we had last year when we hosted Murray State in here is our first ever sellout in the new Pete. Uh, you know, it was incredible. And I think the opponents, when you talk to other coaches in the league, uh, and I've been fortunate to be around for a while, and you talk to them, they'll tell you when you get that pelt band rolling in the Pete and uh, you get the crowd in, it is so loud in here that they have a hard time. And so it creates a great home court advantage uh, for us. And then certainly with the success of our football team, what we've been able to do with our stadium that we opened in 2010. And then, of course, the baseball stadium we opened last year uh, is just state of the art. It's, uh, I mean, beyond the OVC, it's it's probably the second or third best in the state of Alabama. So I've uh, been very fortunate. So that's certainly when you take a look at all of our the athletic department over the last 27 years that's that's the thing you're going to notice the most with football the, the fan base has always been fantastic it's very traditional here at Jacksonville State uh, baseball a lot of tradition there we've always had great crowds the addition of the baseball stadium has just made that even better uh, like you said being one of the uh, best baseball stadiums really in the southeast and then earlier last week, Jacksonville State basketball team sent out a throwback Thursday picture, and it was a uh, 
picture that I'm sure you saw of a uh, game against Troy. Still a black and white picture, probably uh, early 90s, late 80s. And you brought on Ray Harper in 2016. Jacksonville State wins the basketball championship in 2017. And last year, that Murray State game that you mentioned was the first sellout we've had since the D2 era. Talk about what it was like to bring that atmosphere back, you know, through the hire of Ray Harper, what he's been able to do, and how we've seen the fan base really kind of return to the Pete and support the basketball team. It has, you know, probably for the first time since those D2 days when Troy was coming here and we were playing UNA here. Yeah, you know, I think everyone realized during the transition from from 93 up that, you know, every sport was, you know, was going to have their struggles. But but basketball certainly was going to be the sport that probably was going to take the longest in order to, you know, recover because uh, or, or get up to, you know, what our fans have been accustomed to. When you look at the run that Coach Jones and, and the Gamecocks had in the 80s and all the way up through 92, it's incredible. I mean, we won the 1985 National Championship, but then won the Gulf South in 88, 89, and the NCAA Regionals in 90, 91, 92. So we had a run rolling, you know, through that time period. And I remember coming up as a student in North Alabama, and I would come to the Jacksonville State game, and it'd just be packed. I was always like, wow, I mean, this is what a great atmosphere. And then when you when we did the transition, you know, it's just uh, I mean, it was an entirely different level, right? So we weren't playing the schools that we were used to playing in the Gulf South Conference or Livingston and, you know, Troy at that time uh, was just making the move up. You know, now the competition, you're playing, you know, the power five schools. And so we knew it was going to take some time. It took longer, I think, than most of our fans, uh, you know, had hoped. We went through a couple of coaching changes in there. But, you know, it's so funny. We was able to when we were able to get Coach Harper coming here. And uh, Coach Jones was, um, you know, a huge asset and and was very involved as we were looking for that coach and stuff to, you know, hopefully get the basketball program turned around. And I'll tell you, just it's hard to imagine. We've had three straight 20-win years in basketball, and people are talking about basketball. I I kid some of our folks and say, you know, now that we're a basketball school, right? So, but it's it's been great. It's probably – I'm proud of several things I've been able to to accomplish, but certainly getting basketball uh, rolling down here because we had such a long history and tradition of being successful in basketball and just playing a small part and getting that rolling again. Uh, I mean, that's uh, that's something I'm certainly proud of. You mentioned those facility upgrades. Uh, football has a brand new video board, baseball, softball, best video boards in the OVC when it comes to diamond sports. And um, something that's being worked on now, just to kind of stick with basketball, two brand new video boards that's going up inside the Pete, a video board outside of the Pete. The pictures of those got tweeted last week, and I know some fans were excited about that. It's the first time they had seen them. If, if uh, you were a fan that came to uh, Football Fan Day a couple of Sundays ago, you, you saw the construction, might not have known what was going on. Talk about the addition of those video boards and what's, what that's going to bring to basketball and kind of what the plans for those are. Yeah, so, you know, the video boards, we've just seen the success and just from the overall game experience and the game atmosphere, what it what a video board will add to it. We certainly saw it in football. This past year we had them in baseball and softball, and it just engages the fans so much more. Um, you know, with the, the millennials and the folks today, I mean, you can sit at home and, you know, you've got access to – Jacksonville State events, even just through ESPN Plus. So we wanted to uh, 
uh, allow our fans, we want them to encourage them to come and, and, uh, and, and cheer on the Gamecocks in person. But while you're here, we want you to be able to look up and see a replay because you can see that at home. And, and just the video boards are, you know, certainly going to add to that. And we feel like that it will just only enhance our game experience. When you look at them, Tyler, we made the decision. We put them in each corner. We could get more square video footage by going in the corner. And when you see them, they're curved actually to the wall. So for the fans that have been in the Coliseum before, you'll know our, our four corners are curved. So we have two fixed-digit boards on two of the corners. Then the other corners, we had some ad panels. So we removed those ad panels. We've put in, and this is the first time that Dactronics has put in a curved board like this. Uh, it's the highest resolution. It just came out last month. So this is the first board of the 4.1 millimeter that they've installed anywhere. And so we're certainly very excited. It's going to be, I mean, so high def when you see it in person. Uh, it's just going to be crystal clear. So to kind of give you a perspective, our boards at football and baseball and softball, these boards will be twice as clear as those boards. So, I mean, we're talking these boards are just going to really just stand out and pop, and we're, we're so excited about getting those in. Uh, I've had a few folks that may have asked you, to why did we not do a center-hung board? So we left the fixed-digit board in the middle. But the way that our Coliseum is built, Tyler, we would have only – been able to do about 10 feet of video board in the center because we have uh, volleyball that also plays in this building and even in basketball if you have a long shot uh, the NCA requires a minimum of 25 feet from the bottom of your scoreboard to your playing area so we got way more bang for our buck by being able to go in the corner we got almost three times as much uh, video square footage and so we just felt like it's a, a better place for those video boards. And then I like what we did out front. We put a marquee up. Uh, we used to have a marquee in the tornado, um, tore it down. So we relocated it. Uh, I've seen this at James Madison when I was up there working the NCAA football game. And I was like, hey, you know what? That's a really good idea. So we put it right there on the main entrance. So it's on the facade of the building. Uh, we're going to rebrand the name of the Coliseum and uh, so I think when our fans get in and, and start rolling in, we're going to debut it next week on the 30th of August with our volleyball game. And so we're excited to, to see what, how it turns out. And for those of you that are a little skeptical about it, I'm, you've probably been to Sanford and you saw how small their video boards used to be before they went with the center hung video board. Me being a UTC guy, I remember at the roundhouse how they had the video boards up in the corners, almost like we're doing, but the roundhouse was such a big building that they looked like small LCD TVs sitting up in the corners. But whenever you see this, it's uh, you're going to be blown away by how big the video boards actually are. And I know we have some renderings of that. And later on, uh, on the website, we'll post some pictures of what the renderings will look like. But you mentioned JMU. You were up there for an NCAA football game working that when you saw the marquee, which brings up a another great point. Another thing about you is that you work very closely with the uh, NCAA at the FCS level with the uh, football committee. One of the many hats that you wear, if I'm correct, you're chairing that committee this year. Yeah, so I'm very excited. This is my fourth year, Tyler, to... I get to represent the Ohio Valley Conference and serve on the FCS football committee. And, you know, a lot of folks say, well, you know, exactly what does that do? So we're, we're actually the ones we're going in, we're evaluating the teams. Uh, we're setting the bracket uh, for selections. Uh, I'll be in Indianapolis as we come through and, uh, you know, and they announced the 24 team field for the 
upcoming football playoffs. So certainly with the run and the success that we've had, especially since 2013, it's just it's a great opportunity. And I'm certainly happy to serve and, you know, and represent Jacksonville State University, represent the Ohio Valley Conference. And I was very honored that the other committee members who are, you know, had elected and asked that I serve as chair this year. So I'm certainly looking forward to it. We had our first call earlier this week and it's uh, I mean, football season's here. A good friend of your Brian Hutchins Hutchins uh, was one of the uh, chairman there for a while. He was the former athletic director at uh, Moorhead State. And I'm sure you like he had to do whenever you discuss your team in the playoffs. How hard is it for you to have to leave the room and uh, kind of remove yourself from it when Jacksonville State is involved in the conversation? Yeah. So, you know, I've been very fortunate for the last few years. So during the selection process, we've for five straight years, we've won the automatic qualifier, right? So I haven't had to leave the room until we get to the bracketing. It's uh, in the seating process of it. So I've been fortunate from from that aspect uh, of it. But yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, I know that a lot of folks may not believe it or, or quite understand it, but it's it's honestly true. And it's really for the, you know, it's really for more for protection of the integrity of the bracketing and integrity of the entire football championship then I'm not uh, you know in the room as they're doing that because you know that way when uh, other fans and stuff can say oh you know because Greg is the chairman of the FCS committee Jacksonville State was able to get on this side of the bracket or able to play this opponent um, the first time I see the bracket um, I'm out of the room and it typically takes about an hour when they set that bracket and decide who the opponents are and then I'll come back in that's the first time I've uh, you know I've seen it so uh, and if there's ever any discussions whether we're going to look at moving the team around or whatever, you know, I'm not I'm not able to participate in those uh, discussions just to just to protect the entire championship, which I certainly understand. And that's one of the many uh, championships that you're involved in uh, the FCS, and then you're also at uh, the dance every year, March Madness. You're there for the Final Four, um, and you also work the uh, College World Series this summer. And what what role do you play with those two sports and those two championships? Yeah, so I was uh, very fortunate to be able to get assigned or uh, get selected to work the men's basketball Final Four. I just uh, completed my 12th year of working the men's basketball Final Four. Uh, looking forward to the upcoming one, which is in Atlanta this year. So my role is I'm, I'm on the media coordination team. So um, I'm kind of a veteran on that committee now. So I get to, uh, you know, kind of kind of help. And, and there's eight of us from different college, uh, schools across the country that come in and work that. And we're talking the uh, sports information director at Georgia, at uh, Penn State, Notre Dame, Arizona State, Georgia Tech. So, I mean, you know, we're talking some very um, – qualified and in schools that are power five that have a huge and uh have a very large tradition in basketball so just uh very fortunate to be able to continue to work with them and the ncaa staff david warlock and jd hamilton and the folks up there that coordinate the entire media operations it's a it's a huge undertaking i mean they're giving out you know 2500 credentials and of course, then you have CBS involved and ESPN, and it's just uh, it's such a undertaking. It's in such just now. It's certainly you know people don't may not realize this, but ninety five percent of the NCA budget across all three divisions is funded by the men's basketball tournament. So a lot of folks don't understand that. So certainly the NCA is going to put their best foot forward as the men's basketball tournament rolls around and. 
you know, I started off just being able to work some of those early rounds, whether it was um, different conferences. The SEC hosted in Birmingham several times. The Ohio Valley Conference has hosted in Nashville. And, uh, you know, apparently I did a, a good job and was able to kind of move on up and get selected to, on the Final Four crew. Uh, and I've worked on the uh, – the thing about the FCS football committee, Tyler, is so that same crew also runs the College World Series in the spring. So from an NCAA staffing standpoint, Randy Beer, Chad Tolliver, J.D. Hamilton, Kim Giles, who run our FCS championship, um, also run the College World Series in the spring. And so as the run that we've been on and been fortunate to host a lot of football playoff games, they were like, hey, man, you, you guys do such a great job at Jacksonville State. We'd love to have you come and, and help us some um, at the College World Series. So I've been fortunate to serve in, as an NCAA baseball site representative uh, for the last five years. Um, so I've worked uh, the regionals and the super regionals. I've been the primary site rep for those. And then this year I was able to, to go out to the Omaha for the first time and uh, worked the College World Series, which, um, you know, I've always uh, I've been waiting on the Gamecocks to get to the World Series, Tyler. That's the reason they haven't been. Uh, and I can't wait for that day. And now with our new baseball stadium, I'm certainly, uh, you know, looking forward to, to cheering the Gamecocks on. But I'll tell you, Tyler, that's a, of all the events I've worked, that is a fantastic, that is a definitely a bucket list item for our listeners. Everyone should at some time go to Omaha and, and enjoy the College World Series. I was there for the first week this year, and I'll certainly go back. It was a great experience. That's a that's an event that I've worked twice, uh, 2016 and 2017. Uh, I, I'm sure you guys were like us. We were able to stay right across the street. There was a hotel right across the street. You were able to walk to and from uh, the stadium, and I'm sure J.D. Hamilton took care of you with some Zesto's milkshakes, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, that's a staple out there. And, you know, my only regret is not going, being able to go to Rosenblatt at the old stadium if we did get to go out there and, and see the side of it. It's out by the zoo there. But uh, Ameritrade is just, you know, the NCA had their hand in designing of it. And, of course, Creighton plays all their home games there. But it's a great stadium, and um, it, it's uh, it's just a fantastic 14 days of baseball. TD Ameritrade, it's it's just like a major league stadium. And, in, in fact, uh, they had an exhibition game this year, or rather a regular season game there this year, right before the World Series uh I believe it was Kansas City and uh, Texas Rangers. It was, yeah. It was obviously sold out. You know, it seats 25,000. Of course, you've been there and worked it. And uh, it's just a great venue. And, uh, you know, there's not a bad seat in the house. And, you know, the the local city and stuff, of course, it's been there, what, almost close to 60 years. So the local community just really, you know, buys in. And, and uh, there's so many people, Tyler, that just – Every year they, they go out, and that's kind of their pilgrimage or their trip. They Every year they're planning their vacations like, hey, we're going out to the College World Series. So every game is packed, um, and then when you just get the teams that are in there uh, competing, it's just a, a great two weeks of baseball. I think uh, I know that Jana McGinnis has been out there for the World Series before, She, uh, but I can't remember if she got to see Rosenblatt or if she was there for TD Ameritrade. I can't remember which stadium, which year it was that she went. I think it was for uh, it was the first year in in Ameritrade, um, and I think it was like a their twentieth or twenty fifth wedding anniversary, and that was something that uh, her and her and Russ wanted to do. And she said it was a great trip, and I even talked to her about uh, before I went out just to get some of the some of the local restaurant places to eat and stuff. But it's a great city. Well, just before we wrap up, um, one more question for you, and uh, this 
comes from Avery, your student worker, someone you've known forever. He's from Waynesboro, as you are from Tennessee. And your name in his phone and his contacts is Rowdy. And anyone that knows you, I don't think they would pin Rowdy as your nickname. Where does that come from? Yeah, so my dad, so that goes back to my Little League days when I was playing Little League. My dad was my coach as well. So, uh, yeah, that's just what my dad had, had always called me. So, yeah, so the folks from there, um, yeah, just just growing up, some of my best friends. And, of course, Avery's dad and I went to school together. So so that's what Avery has, has heard his dad call me some, too. So, yeah, so it dates back to my Little League baseball days. And I'm sure uh, pinstripes and a New York logo on your hat. Oh, yeah, you know that. That's absolutely right. So, not saying anything, but the drive for 28th this year, hopefully, uh, of course, they're going to go against your Dodgers, it looks like, and they got to, um, so it'll be interesting to, to see how the whole postseason plays out, but it's uh, it's certainly a lot of fun. Two very powerful offenses uh, probably going to meet in the World Series. Uh, Dodgers just haven't gotten it done in a in a few decades. Well, I hope, no nothing against you, but I hope this is, a, <laughs> I hope the tradition continues and the Yankees can uh, uh, pull it out. Maybe five games. We'll let you win one. <laughs> well, I appreciate that one. Greg Seitz, uh, Athletic Director for Jacksonville State, our first guest on Behind the Beak. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. I certainly enjoyed it. And looking forward to catching more episodes of it, Tyler. The video board images we discussed during the interview can be found right now by checking out the men's basketball Twitter and Instagram accounts. You can find them by searching at JSU Gamecocks MBB. And if you aren't already following those accounts, click that follow button for us. That does it for this week's edition of Behind the Beak. Be sure to check back in Tuesday, September 3rd, as we release a new episode. Until then, I am Tyler Brown saying thank you for listening, so long, and go Gamecocks. This has been Behind the Beak, the official podcast of Jacksonville State Athletics. Look for new episodes each week or browse the archives on the Apple Podcast app or by visiting JSUGamecockSports.com. For more on Jacksonville State Athletics, visit the official website of the Gamecocks, JSUGamecockSports.com, and follow JSU on social media by searching at JSUGamecocks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.